Staying with me today. Our worship team goes down. The musicians continue playing softly. We turn to the word of the Lord today. I want to turn your attention to the book of Nehemiah, the second chapter. We'll be reading verses 10 through 20. Shout yes when you get to the book of Nehemiah, the second chapter. Nehemiah, the second chapter, we'll be reading verses 2 through 10. Our setting today is about a cupbearer to the king. His name was Nehemiah. He was a Jew by birth. He was doing well for himself. He was living in the king's house. Had all the everything that he wanted. Had favor with the king trust with the king was living a luxurious life but none of those things could quench the burden that was in his soul as he lived a life of luxury in the king's house in his heart he knew that Jerusalem lie in waste it had been destroyed And he had a burden to rebuild it. And this is where we find ourselves in Scripture, the book of Nehemiah, the second chapter, the 10th verse. The word of the Lord says, And when Sambalot, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek for the welfare of the children of Israel. They didn't like the fact that Nehemiah had come and petitioned the king to let him go back and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It troubled them exceedingly. But the, the Bible says, Nehemiah said, So I came to Jerusalem and was there for three days. And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night, by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, And to the dung port, and I viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain, and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. So then I went up in the night by the brook, and I viewed the wall. And I turned back, and I entered by the gate of the valley, and so returned. Verse 16 says, And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, 
nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in. Ye see the distress that we are in. How that Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. And then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also that the king's words that he had spoken unto me, and they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. And when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn. They despised us. And they said unto us, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? And then answered I unto them, and I said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. The God of heaven, he will prosper us. The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build. But ye, ye who have laughed us to scorn, you have no portion, nor no right, nor no memorial in this great city, the city of Jerusalem. Church, sometimes we substitute talking about doing things. We substitute talking about doing something for actually doing it. We make ourselves feel good because we talk about it. We have an idea. We have a notion. We have an inkling. We talk about it, but we substitute doing it for talking about it. My hope is to show you today that our prayers, our thoughts, our notions must always be backed up by endeavor. Action. Action. Our thoughts and our prayers must always be backed up by endeavor. The church must be engaged. The church must be engaged. Today, I want to preach to you today for a few moments on this thought. The gate of engagement. The gate of engagement. Let's make a joyful noise unto the Lord today all over this house before we're seated. Come on, if you're thankful for His goodness in your life, you're thankful for His provision in your life, if you're thankful for the fact that mercy and goodness shall follow you all the days of your life, let's lift up a praise offering unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How we love you today, Lord. How we need you today. How we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Bless your word in the name of Jesus. God bless you today. You may be seated for a few moments. The gate of engagement. The church 
must never cease to be engaged. Talking about things don't get things done. Substituting action for talk doesn't get things done. In his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, author Stephen Covey discusses something that he refers to as interdependence. You see, effective people understand the power of community. And without the power of community, we will never truly be effective. Effective people understand the power of community. There is an unexplainable power that is unleashed in every family, in every school, in every workplace, in every community, and especially there is an unleashed power in every church community where people come together and they engage in accomplishing what they know they could never accomplish on their own. The power of coming together, the power of being engaged, the power of walking through the gate of engagement. The Great Pyramid of Giza is the largest of all of the Egyptian pyramids, standing an astounding 480 feet tall. It remained the tallest structure in the world for over 3,500 years. It is unknown to us how many people actually had their hands on that pyramid. It is unknown to us how many people actually contributed to the building of that pyramid, but it is obvious to us that it was more than one. It was obvious to us today that there was a community of people um, that was engaged in the building of the Pyramid of Giza. It is the oldest of the seven wonders of the world, and still today people are amazed. People wonder. People people, uh, wonder how in the world did they accomplish this amazing task in those times. There were no cranes. There were no tools like we have today. But somehow the people came together and they accomplished this amazing task. Can I tell you, somebody was a good leader. Can I tell you, somebody was a good motivator. Somebody was, a, was committed. Somebody was determined. Somebody wasn't afraid of hard work. People had to truly be engaged to make that pyramid come to pass. Amen. And today it stands as one of the seven wonders of the world. People weren't afraid of hard work. People weren't afraid of of coming together. We see some of this same commitment in Nehemiah as we read the scriptures of God's holy word today. Nehemiah didn't just think about the destruction of Jerusalem. He got engaged and he did something about the destruction of Jerusalem. How many know a lot of people got an opinion? 
lot of people got an idea. A lot of people can tell you how to fix something, but a lot of people ain't willing to put their hands to the plow and do the digging themselves. Amen. But uh, we see this, this, uh, this uh, desire to work, this inclination to work in Nehemiah. He didn't just think about the destruction of Jerusalem. He got engaged and he did something about the destruction of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was doing well. He was close to the king. Um, he had a good life. He, but he could not shake the fact that while he was living a good life in the king's house, his people, his fathers, the land of his fathers, the city of Jerusalem lay in waste. Jerusalem was a mess. Jerusalem was a mess. Jerusalem was destroyed because of her disobedience. But it didn't matter. Listen, Nehemiah, he loved Jerusalem anyway. It didn't matter why she was a mess. It didn't matter that she was a mess. He had a burden to change that mess. Oh, to God that some people would get a desire today to start changing the mess. Oh, to God today that some people would get a desire to say, I know the world's a mess. I know my family's a mess. I know my life's a mess, but I'm tired of just talking about the mess. I'm ready to do something about the mess today. Ah, God, you got to get engaged. You got to make up your mind. You're going to quit talking about it and you're going to do it today. You got to make up your mind that your actions speak louder than your words today. And it's time for the church to get busy about the Father's business today because Jerusalem lays in waste and somebody's got to build the walls today. Jerusalem was a mess. Jerusalem was destroyed because of her disobedience, but it didn't matter. Nehemiah loved Jerusalem anyway. And even though Nehemiah was disappointed in Jerusalem, he loved Jerusalem anyway. Can I tell you today that disillusionment is the feeling of disappointment that you feel when you come to the realization that something that you love is not perfect. <laughs> Anybody ever been disappointed because you married somebody you thought was perfect? Sister Charlene married Tommy because she thought he was perfect. He said, watch out, preacher. Sister Amanda Picked up Timmy because she thought he was perfect. But after a little while, the disillusionment set in, and she realized he wasn't quite as perfect as I thought he was. Huh? Disillusionment is the feeling of disappointment, of realizing you come to the realization and you understand that what you love might not be perfect, but you love it anyway. This is what Nehemiah felt about Jerusalem. Tell your neighbor today, say, I know you're going to have a hard time believing this, but I ain't perfect. <laughs> some, some of you are going to go home with a burden lifted off of your shoulders today. You, you finally admitted that you are not perfect. Amen. Disillusionment is the... Is, is the, the, the the, uh, the disappointment that you feel when you realize that something that you love is not perfect. The late Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor who was martyred for resisting the regime of Adolf Hitler. 
And he said this about disillusionment. This late pastor, he said, disillusionment with your local church is a good thing because it destroys the false notion and the false expectations of perfection. The sooner we give up the illusion and the false notion that our church must be perfect in order for us to love it, the sooner we quit pretending and we start admitting that we are all imperfect. We all need the mercy. We all need the grace of God. And none of us are perfect today. And we need to let down that notion that something doesn't have to be perfect for you to love it today. Jerusalem was laying in waste. Jerusalem was torn down. The gates were burned with fire. But here's a man in the king's house that got everything that he wants, but his heart is breaking because he loves that great city. He loves that great city, the city of his fathers, and he can't even enjoy the wonderful life that he has because he has this tremendous burden for the city. Of Jerusalem. Church, a community cannot be a community unless it's engaged. Nehemiah loved Jerusalem. So you know what he did? He took a chance. He he knew that he could be put to death that day when he came into the the king's court with sadness on his face. You see, it, it had been spoken. It was well known that if you come into the king's court, with a, with a sad countenance, he can say, off with your head. He can kill you for coming into his house. You don't discourage the king. You don't come into the king's court with sadness on your face. Nehemiah understood these things. Nehemiah knew that he was gambling that day. He knew that he was taking a chance walking into the king's court with sadness on his face. He was taking a chance, but he had a burden, and he couldn't silence the burden. He had a burden, and he couldn't shake the burden. I'm amazed at how many Pentecostal and apostolic people are able to shrug off their burden today. The Lord will give them a burden. The Lord will say, I give you a burden for this and a burden for that, and they just brush it off like it never meant anything. Let me tell you something. Nehemiah couldn't shake his burden. Nehemiah couldn't silence his burden, his loyalty, to the king, his faithfulness to the king, his steadfastness to the king had given him favor with the king. So the king grants his wish. He tells him, he says, why are you so sad, Nehemiah, seeing that you don't have any health issues? You're not sick in your body. You're not dying, Nehemiah. Why did you come into the king's court with sadness on your face? And you know what Nehemiah said? How can I be happy? Brother Joe, how can I be excited about this wonderful life that I have when the city of my fathers is laying in waste? I'm amazed at the people who think they're on their way to heaven who don't care about the salvation of anybody else. Oh, to God today that some people would get a burden like Nehemiah had. But he couldn't shake his burden. He couldn't silence his burden. So... He tells the king, he says, I can't be happy knowing that Jerusalem is laying in waste. And all these faithfulness and steadfastness before the king, the king looks at Nehemiah and he says, I tell you what I'm going to do. You get out of here and you go back to Jerusalem and you rebuild that great city. 
And not only am I going to send you to rebuild that city, but I'm going to finance it for you. And I'm going to send you everything that you need. And I'm going to send men with you. So the king sends men with Nehemiah to carry his materials and to protect him along the way. And to let everyone know that Nehemiah had the support of the king. Can I tell you today that who the king sends, he protects. Can I tell you that who the king sends, he provides for. Who the king sends, he makes a way for. Amen. And he sends Nehemiah on his way. But make no mistake about it today, church. You're no threat to the enemy as long as you're talking about it. You're no threat to the enemy as long as you're just thinking about it. But let me tell you something. When you stop looking at the gate of engagement and you actually reach out and you put your hand on the gate of engagement and you swing the gate of engagement open and you walk through that engagement and you get engaged in the kingdom of God and the purpose of God and the plan of God, then the enemy begins to perk up his ears. Then the enemy begins to take notice He's not afraid of your talk. He's not afraid of of your thoughts today, but he's afraid of your action today. He's afraid of your engagement today. He's afraid that you're going to get busy about the Father's business today. And when you get busy about the Father's business, the enemy takes notice. Can I tell this body today that there's nothing more troubling to the enemy than seeing your innocence, he declared. Seeing your reproach rolled away. Seeing your burdens lifted. Seeing your salvation come. Seeing your family straighten out. Seeing your finances get under control. Seeing your body healed. Seeing your mind straightened out. Nothing upsets the enemy more than seeing the hand of God upon your life today. He ain't afraid of your thoughts today. He's not afraid of your inclinations today. If you're not engaged, he's not worried about you today. Nothing is more troubling to the enemy than seeing the people of God blessed. Come on. Nothing is more troubling to the enemy than seeing the favor of the king on somebody and there's nothing that he can do about it. Amen. Come on. Nothing is more, nothing gets the devil more fired up than seeing the people of God blessed today. Can I tell you today, hell's on high alert. Come on, can I tell you today, it'll get the devil fired up to see you blessed by the Lord today. There's some people in this church today, you got hell on high alert. You got the devil fired up today because the hand of God is upon your life. Amen. You don't understand why am I going through this? Why is all hell assailing me? Because you got the devil fired up. Because you got hell on high alert. He knows you're about to rebuild Jerusalem. He knows that you're not just talking about it anymore, but you're actually doing something. He knows you're putting your hand to the plow today, and you're about to rebuild Jerusalem. He knows that you're not going to sit back and be quiet about the destruction of Jerusalem anymore. He can't stand what God's doing in your life. He don't mind when you're a spectator. When you get engaged, the enemy's got a problem with you. When you start doing something, the enemy has a problem with you. Come on, then he's got to do something. When you stop being a spectator and you start being a participator, then he's got to do something. That's why they laughed Nehemiah to scorn, because the enemy was trying to discourage him from what God had called him to do. You ever notice that when you actually get busy about the Father's business, that's when all hell wants to assail you? Come on. 
When you start seeing things moving and you start seeing things shaking, that's when hell wants to stop you. It ain't when you're thinking about it. It ain't when you're talking about it. It's when you start doing and you get engaged with the kingdom of God today. Come on, I come to tell somebody today, I dare you go outside and try to start that car and take off without your transmission being engaged. You ain't going nowhere today. You ain't going nowhere today if you ain't engaged. Come on, try to move in a car with the transmission not engaged. Those who want to build up the church must first assess the damage of the church. Those who want to build up Jerusalem must first assess the damage of Jerusalem. You got to be engaged with the church today. Try moving your car without the transmission. Engaged. Try flying a plane without the propeller engaged. Try sailing a boat without the sail engaged. You ain't going nowhere. If the church is going to be effective in these last days, we must be engaged. Nehemiah was engaged. He wasn't just a spectator. He wasn't just a talker. You see, all of these people that were already in Jerusalem, they weren't doing nothing. They were talking about it. It wasn't nothing happened, but here's a man who's got all the luxuries that he needs, but he's got a burden. He's got a burden for the city of God. He's got a burden for the people of God, and he can no longer sit there and enjoy his own life because he has a burden. If the church is going to be effective in these last days, we got to get engaged. If we're going to rebuild Jerusalem from all the attacks of hell, we got to get engaged. If we're going to get our families back on track, from all the, the, the confusion that the enemy has sown, we got to be engaged today. Come on, don't be afraid of the damage. Don't be afraid of the destruction. It ain't nothing that the Lord can't handle today. The Lord can fix anything today. The Lord can mend anything today. You see, Nehemiah, Nehemiah, he went up by night to look at all the damage of the city. I was thinking about this this morning. You know, to the weak, when you assess damage, when you look at destruction, it tears you down, Brother Mike. But to the strong, come on, hear me today. But to the strong, when you look at destruction and you look at the waste, It doesn't discourage you. It actually empowers you and and drives you more. It compels you more to do something about the destruction and the waste. That's a good way to gauge your spiritual life today. If being around negative people, if being around things, if being around destruction discourages you, you're probably weak. Because that compels the strong to do something about what's going on. And when Nehemiah went up by night and he assessed all of these things and he looked at all those things, it didn't discourage him. It didn't stop him. He didn't go back down and say, man, this is too big of a mess. I'm not even going to try to tackle this. It made him more determined than he was already. It made him more determined than he was already. You see, broken people come with a lot of baggage. Broken people come with a lot of destruction. Hell has assailed them with everything that it's got, but that is what God has called us to do, is to deal with broken people today. What God has called us to do is to fix the destruction and the despair and to rebuild the city and to take lives that hell has assailed and to rebuild them today.
Do good unto Zion, the Bible says. Build up the walls of Jerusalem, the Bible says. For the house that the Lord shall build, it shall be great. It shall be great. Can I tell you today, the Lord's looking for some people that's not going to faint in the face of adversity. Huh? The Bible says if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Your strength is small. We can't just get discouraged by every little thing that comes into our life. We can't just look to throw in the towel because of every little thing that happens in our life. My God, we got to assess this thing. We got to look at this thing. We got to say, Lord, I know you called me to a purpose. I know you called me to rebuild the city. Let me tell you something. The house that the Lord shall build, it shall be great. The Lord is looking for some people that's not going to faint in the face of adversity. Come on, Nehemiah. Come on, Nehemiah. It's time to rebuild. It's time to accomplish. It's time to stop talking about it. It's time to stop thinking about it. Well, I, I think I'll go to church this Sunday. Well, Sunday comes, man, I got some other stuff I need. It's time to stop thinking about it, Nehemiah. Come on, I think I'll go prayer meeting tonight. I think I'll go down and work at the church. I think I'll go take out the trash. I think I'll go cut the grass. Uh, come on, Nehemiah. It's time to stop thinking about it, and it's time to start doing it. It's time to stop thinking about it, and it's time to start doing it today. Build up those walls of Jerusalem. The devil's not afraid of anybody who just thinks about stuff. I think I'll go up here and pray with those people who was up here seeking prayer. Nah, it's more comfortable for me to sit in my seat. Sit in your seat, but next time you need prayer, see if somebody sits in their seat. Oh, come on, I'm the pastor, I can do it. I think I'll go up here and pray with that one at the altar. Now I'm just not feeling it today. Well, maybe somebody won't be feeling it the next time you need prayer when your family is going through something. Come on. Come on, Nehemiah. It's time to stop thinking about it, and it's time to start doing it. Either you're going to be engaged with this church or you're not. Either you're going to be engaged with the kingdom of God or you're not. You see, Nehemiah, he left some folks behind at the king's house. He knew he had a mission to do. He knew he had something to accomplish. He went and he assessed all the damage, and he wasn't afraid of the damage. He took on the damage, and he said, let's rebuild this city. We need some Nehemiahs that are ready to start building today. We need some people that will stop talking about it and not doing it today. Because unless you're engaged, you ain't going nowhere. Unless you're engaged, you ain't going nowhere. Come on, Nehemiah. Do something about that burden. He's looking for some people that's not going to turn around and run every time they assess how bad the damage is. He's, not, he's looking for some people that, who's not going to turn around and run every time they see a mess. Come on. Yeah, it's a mess, but let me tell you something. It ain't nothing that the Lord can't handle today. You got to get engaged for the Lord to use you. You got to get engaged for the Lord to use you. Stand with me as the musicians come quickly. Not long ago, I was helping someone with some car trouble that they were having. And they were having a, some battery issues and couldn't get their car to start. So 
I took my truck over and I hooked the battery cables to it. And I attempted to jump their car. After several attempts to jump the car, Brother Timmy, I realized no matter how long I let the cable sit on there, I wasn't getting anywhere. Because the terminal from the car to the battery was loose. It wasn't engaged. It didn't matter how many times I took the battery cables off, Brother Carl, and put them back on. It didn't matter how long I let them sit there. It didn't matter how many times I revved up the engine on my truck. Disengagement is disengagement. It didn't matter, Brother Tommy, how much I wanted that car to start. There was a problem. The car was disengaged from the battery. I come to tell some folks in this place today, you ain't never going to have the power of God in your life as long as you're disengaged from your church. You ain't never going to have the power of God moving in your life. You're never going to have me cranking on all eight cylinders. You're never going to be moving in the direction that you want to move. You're never going to see the will of God in your life if you're disengaged from your church today. Come on. You got to have that vertical connection, that positive terminal connected to the Lord Almighty. And you got to have that negative terminal connected to the body of Christ. You got to have that horizontal terminal connected to the body of Christ. If you want to experience the power of God in your life, you got to be connected to heaven and you got to be connected to the church today. You got to be engaged. You got to be engaged with the body of Christ today. It don't matter how long you sit there. No matter how long you try to jumpstart yourself, disengagement is disengagement. And the sooner you realize you ain't going nowhere till you get engaged, the sooner you realize, the sooner you can be on your way. Because disengagement is disengagement. Their battery was not properly engaged to their car. Church, we got to be connected to the Lord today. We got to be connected to the body of Christ today. Come on, and without those two connections, you're always going to be lacking power in your life. You're always going to be lacking what God has for you in your life. You got to be engaged today. You got look, Nehemiah could have sat right where he was at. He didn't have to do anything, he had everything that he needed, be at a burden. He had a burning desire in his heart to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Let me tell you something. You better get a burden for souls today. You better get a burden for the lost today because the Lord is coming soon. The Lord is coming soon today. And we got to be engaged if we're going to be ushered. Come on, at the sound of that trumpet, when the Lord puts one foot on land and one foot on sea, and he declares time to be no more. Let me tell you something, the body of Christ is ushered up out of this place without engagement, without the Holy Ghost working in your life today. You're going to be left behind. You're going to be left behind today. I come to tell this body, it's time for you to stop looking At the gate of engagement, get your hand out in front of you. Turn the handle on that gate and walk into what God has called you to do. 
Be a part of the body of Christ. Be a part of the plan of God. Don't be a spectator. Don't be somebody who just observes, but be somebody who participates. When you come into the house of God, lift your hands towards heaven. Worship the Lord with all of your heart. When people need prayer, pray with them. Seek God with them. When people need something and you go, you can meet that need. Help them meet that need today. you got to be engaged to the body of Christ, the gate of engagement. Until you get engaged, you're going to remain right where you're at. You're going to remain right where you're at. The Lord's not going to bless you. you got to get engaged today. These altars are open as we sing this song.